What's up, everyone? This is Jason and John, and you're listening to the Jelly Cards Podcast. Truly, there isn't a wrong time to sell in this hobby, as long as you're profiting from that card. However, this is almost a million-dollar question you have to ask yourself, and that's how long should you wait? Quick flips while the market is hot is a great way to make consistent profit while you continue to buy and collect. Career holds, on the other hand, could potentially give you the biggest return. It just depends on how much patience and trust you have in that player or product. I lean more towards the quick flip side, while John likes to wait and watch them become a star. So we hope you're ready for a great episode from the Jelly Card Boys. Now let's roll that music. Welcome back to the Jelly Cards Podcast, where John and I are spreading the love of the hobby. This is episode four, and yesterday, the entire sports world got some big breaking news. The Jets and the Packers finally finalized the deal, and the Jets made a trade for Aaron Rodgers. I know a lot of people are probably instantly running out and throwing down their bets <laughs> and, and putting their money on the Jets this year. But for me, I mean, I think I think it's great. It's good for the Jets. It's good for the Packers. I think it's even better for the Packers. Like, he, his relationship with the Packers became very toxic, especially towards the end. Honestly, I like I said on a previous episode, ever since they drafted Jordan Love, that relationship he had with that with that organization and the franchise, I think, just went away. I agree. I think he took it very personally that they were drafting his replacement, and he took that as like, a, okay, you know what? Screw you. I don't want to play for you guys anymore. Even though he won another MVP, yeah. but um, so if you just want to go over quickly on what the actual details of the deal was, because I know um, I know they swapped first rounds first round picks and i think the jets also got a second round or something like that but if you want to just go over it yeah so like you said it's pretty breaking news quote unquote for what's happening with the nfl draft because the draft is coming up this week um so the jets they get aaron Rodgers, they get first round pick number 15 for this year and then they also get uh 2023 this year fifth round pick number 170 and I think I'm on your side here. I think the Packers got the the better deal out of this. But time will tell, obviously. The Packers mm-hmm. get pick number 13 this year, first-round pick. Packers also get a second-round pick, pick number 42. A sixth-round pick, number 207. And then they get a conditional 2024 second-round pick that could become a first-round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this year. So... I'm assuming that's going to happen. So the Packers got a first-round pick for this year, a second-round pick for this year, a sixth-round pick for this year, and then I'm assuming it's going to be a first-round pick for next year. Yeah. And all of that for a 39-year-old NFL quarterback. (laughs) So I like – it is what it is. I think, uh, like you said, I'm sure uh, Jets fans are rejoicing. But I, knowing the Packers' history and how well they – freaking develop NFL quarterbacks. I, I think the Packers are happy to get rid of Rodgers. And I, 
it makes me slightly worried as a Bears fan that the the Packers have all these picks and now they're probably just going to do whatever they want with them and kind of get back on track, so to speak. Well, so, you know, I I have actually two questions for you. Um, But the first one is, you know, because I brought it up in the group chat. Granted, they're only moving up two picks. They went from 15 to 13. If one of these top draft like quarterbacks falls down to their pick at number 13, do you see the Packers grabbing a quarterback or are they saying, hey, you know what? We drafted Jordan Love first round. We traded up to go get him. We have faith in him. We're going to let him play. Or, I mean, because me personally, I know Eric disagreed a little bit, but I think this is a pretty solid um, quarterback like draft class. So, I mean, if one of them says, say one of them falls like a, like a Will Levis or something, I mean, do you see the Packers possibly drafting another quarterback and letting them to battle it out in the preseason? I don't think so. I think that, um, like I was trying to say earlier, like I think the Packers have such a strong history of developing their quarterbacks that they're finally like, you know what? Rodgers is gone. We drafted Love for a reason. We moved up to draft Jordan Love. So I think they're just going to let him play out. I, if he does bad, then it gets kind of murky if they don't draft a quarterback this year. Yeah. But I think they made that conditional pick a part of the draft for 2024 so that if Love fails, they can take a quarterback in the first round of next year. I think, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I think a huge slap to the face of Rodgers would be if the Packers took like a wide receiver with their first round pick or some sort of offensive uh, boost to the offensive uh, scheme. And I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're like sick and tired of dealing with Rodgers and all of his off the field publicity and his like weird things that he does. Yeah. And they're just, I think it's like a huge weight was lifted off their soldier shoulders, but I could be wrong. I, I wish <laughs> this is the one of the few times I wish we had a huge Packers fan in our uh, in our group chats <laughs> to, to see how they feel. But based on what I saw on Twitter and uh, like other social media outlets, I, I know Jets fans are excited because they they finally have a quarterback, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm kind of concerned and curious to know how Packers fans feel. But what do you think? Do you think that they're going to draft a quarterback if a quarterback falls in the first round? Well, so, yeah, I I actually thought that they might because if one of these, like I said, if one of these quarterbacks, now I obviously Bryce Young, um, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, I don't see either of them falling out of the top five, maybe even the top ten. Um, but with Will Levis, maybe, maybe he could fall down. I know there's a lot of speculation about the Raiders potentially getting him. Um, but like I said, if he does fall out of like the top 10 and goes to number 13, I feel as if he fits the offensive scheme of the Packers a little bit better than a Jordan Love because, you know, Jordan Love came from Utah State. I think he was a little bit more of like a mobile quarterback What uh, versus that Will Levis. He, he just strikes me as a pocket passer. Which, if you you know, if you know how the um, Green Bay Packers offensive line is, I mean, they'll give you a minute to drop back. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of 
Aaron Rodgers' success in the NFL, he has to give a lot of thanks to that offensive line because they allowed him to really showcase his abilities as a quarterback. Um, and also the fact that, yes, the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Packers has always been great. However, the times when, like, if Rodgers went down with an injury and they had to go to their backup, like when they had, like, Deshaun Kaiser and stuff, not good. So it's like, I mean, I, my, I'm just a little worried that Jordan Love is not people. I, I just, I feel as if people are gonna expect him to just take off and and bring that team back to the the motherland, you know. But uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, do you, I don't know if you pass up a chance to get another quarterback high, like in a high pick, and then kind of just dictate what happens in the preseason. But my, my second question to you was going to be, what happens with Zach Wilson now? Do you think this is a good thing for Zach Wilson to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a year or two? And then what also is going to happen with his card market? Do you think his card market's now going to drop? Or do you actually think it might go up because he's now has the ability to sit behind a future Hall of Famer? I think that's probably the million-dollar question. I think that's a really good topic to talk about for our fellow card collectors who listen to the podcast, I think I, I'm almost certain his card market is going to drop, but that follow-up question has to be, are you going to buy any super cheap Zach Wilson slabs in case, like how many years do you think Aaron Rodgers has left in the NFL? Two. And yeah, exactly. And Wilson's what, 24 years old, maybe younger. Mm -hmm. I think he's 23. I wouldn't. Oh man, look what you did. Now you, now you've made me think about, jumping off this podcast and buying football cards. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that his card market for Zach Wilson is going to drop. And if let's say you can get a really high end quote unquote, like a rare Zach Wilson slab for less than a hundred dollars, would I buy it? I, I would. And I'm saying that with my eyes rolling because someone's going to listen to this podcast and yell at me and call me dumb. And that someone is in our jelly group chat, <laughs> but I, if you could get a rare Zach Wilson PSA 10 for less than a hundred bucks, I'm willing to make, I'm willing to take that kind of risk. He's, he's young. He has skills. He has talent. And maybe now with an actual hall of fame quarterback in the QB locker room, maybe he can learn something and maybe he can kind of just reset his, uh, mm-hmm. his mental clock if that's a if that's a term that's i'm creating i feel like he can have some finally relaxing moments in new york instead of all that pressure that was thrown onto him when he was drafted and thrown into the fire but like another now i'm gonna ask you another a follow-up question does this make the jets playoff contenders do you think the jets are gonna make the playoffs in this year no oh god you don't No. no No, because, I mean, also, I mean, they still play in a pretty tough division. Um, I I just – I don't think this is automatically going – I mean, I, I can see the Jets being like an above 500 team, maybe like a – maybe like a 9-8 and eight or something like that. But I don't see them, especially in the AFC, I don't see them squeaking. I don't see them winning the division. Mm-hmm. And I don't see them at 9-8 and eight getting a wild card spot. Not in the AFC. Okay. I think I agree. 
But, you know, going based off of what you said about, like, maybe trying to snag, like, now I'm kind of thinking, man, I might start looking at some Zach Wilson autos. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, hey, what if, what if like, a PSA 10 silver, you know, auto drops down and it's only, like, a, a sliver over 100? That's that, that might not be a bad buy, man. Yeah, that's Because you got, you got to think, I mean, do the – the biggest question you got to ask yourself is will Zach Wilson go back to being the starter once Aaron Rodgers is done? Or is this the Jets way of saying, Hey, we're done with you at quarterback. We're just buying ourselves some time until we can get somebody else. Yeah. Dang. That's a good point. So I, it's, it's, it's interesting to say, but I, yeah, I might maybe snag up a couple, you know, we got the, national coming up soon yeah that's right which we got to sit down and, and and talk about and make sure that uh we're actually going to this and we have a plan plan of attack yeah because uh i need to set some money aside <laughs> so i could get some zach wilson cards yeah here we go <laughs> but let's go back to jordan love though because it's a great segue into the topic that we wanted to talk about which was i brought up to you let's talk about Quick flips versus career holds or just long holds in general. And it's, it's a great timing for this, this trade to happen because now you have to think, like we said, Jordan Love is going to be the guy. Like he's, he should be the starter going into this 2023 season. I know you. <laughs> we've we've had these debates and arguments many, many times in our, in, in our jelly meetings, in our group chats about you know long holding cards or just flipping them right away if you were an own if you were a collector and an owner of Jordan Love cards are you selling the moment the season starts like right before the season starts or are you holding on to his cards and seeing what happens so um yeah Thanks for outing me. You do know me. And my yeah, my heart answer is to hold Jordan Love cards because I am a firm believer in the long term. And, and never game. selling. That's right. <laughs> but if uh, if I'm being honest and I'm trying to be as helpful as possible to people who listen to the Jelly Cards podcast, I would probably sell. Again, this is kind of like the Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe situation. I would sell eight out of ten of my Jordan Walker or <laughs> my uh, Jordan Love slabs. I would sell almost all of my Love cards once the season starts because NFL kickoff week is going to be insane and people are going to be excited that Love is the starter and the Packers, yada, yada, yada. They got a whole new thing going. They got multiple first-round, multiple picks this year. They're kind of developing into this uh, NFL powerhouse once again. I would sell a good chunk of those Love cards, but knowing the Packers' history... With their quarterbacks, I don't see why I would not hold at least one or two Jordan Love cards because the reason that this topic is being discussed on the podcast is because you, Jason, said, hey, John, when are we going to have a six-figure card sale in uh, in our Jelly Cards history? And my response was the highest percentage chance for that happening is long holds. So... I'm trying to tie it together here. If if Jordan Love becomes the freaking fourth at least 
Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now Jordan Love. All three of those guys that I mentioned previous, prior to Jordan Love, are Hall of Famers. If Jordan Love becomes a freaking fourth Hall of Fame Green Bay quarterback, I feel like his card market is going to shoot way up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I'm just saying, in in my defense, in my long hold defense, if I hold on to a Jordan Love card, and he eventually becomes an MVP winner, it becomes like a God. This is going to sound ridiculous. I'm not saying this is going to happen. If he becomes like a two time MVP, like Mahomes or something, or like a Josh Allen, then your cards are going to triple, quadruple, ten times in value, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's just that's my heart talking. That's my collector heart talking. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a lot of Jordan Love slabs or a lot of cards that you want to decide what to do on, like I would recommend selling most of them once the season starts so that you can kind of recoup a good chunk of profit. And maybe you can invest it into more Jordan Love cards. But what about you, Jason? What are what are your thoughts? Would you quick flip? love now would you wait until the season starts or would you hold on and buy more what do you think well honestly i have not looked at jordan love's market i've looked at a lot of jordan love cards in the past i have not checked out his market recently i wish i would have been watching it and then seen where his cards are in my personal opinion i've always leaned more to the side of like sell the card right away yeah you know, sell the card right away, gain the profit, even though I don't do that with my own personal cards. <laughs> um, but when it comes to jelly, I've always yeah leaned more to the side of like, hey, let's sell right away. Let's get this profit and let's, you know, like keep buying and flipping, buying and flipping, buying and flipping type of deal. Um, it's actually a good it's actually a good question to ask yourself, too, because, you know, yes, Jordan Love was a first round pick. However, he was not an instant starter, and you knew he wasn't going to be an instant starter because yes. of Aaron Rodgers. This is like a good question to ask is that should leaning more towards like these these long holds, should you start looking into more quarterbacks who are who are going who are getting drafted high, becoming a backup, but you know eventually down the road, you know couple years down the road they're going to be the starter are those the better maybe better investments to look at because obviously their market's going to be lower than say like you know when trevor lawrence came in and trey lance and all these those type of quarterbacks you know bryce young uh you know he's gonna have a super high market cj stroud's gonna have a super high market you know are players like the like a jordan love type player where he's gonna be riding the bench as a second stringer for a while the better investment to go into because I would assume there's a higher margin that their their cards are gonna gain. Dang. Interesting thought, Jason. <laughs> I mean, I'm just but here, but this is my point though. Let that be your let that be your long hold though, right? Like because Jordan Love, he was drafted in what, 2020? Mm-hmm. So let that be kind of like your like how we do with our prospects. Right. Like when we do with our prospects in baseball, we we buy up these sets while they're still in the minors. We get our cards graded and everything. We get them all ready and then we wait like we did with the Zach Neto card that we just sold. You know, we got that card. I, now, granted, Zach Neto did not spend a very long time in the minors. But if you look at Jordan, um, Jason Dominguez, 
we're sitting on a lot of really good Jason Dominga cards because we're just waiting. We're waiting for call up. Mm -hmm. Can, should that be quote unquote, your long hold where you're holding maybe three, four years. And then you're finally letting, you know, like you're buying up these, these drafted quarterbacks who are going to be backups and you're just kind of sitting and waiting for their chance to become the starter. And then once they do, that's when you're dumping them. You get what uh, I mean? Yeah, I do get what you mean. And do you know who I'm thinking of when you say all of that stuff? Is it uh, like a football player? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, no. He, his last name is where Oscar the Grouch lives, according to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Trescan? Yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you? Okay, I, when you were talking, I'm, I'm sorry, I got slightly off topic, but that's an amazing question because I think that's kind of where my mentality is when it comes to football cards and sports cards in general. I don't want to go buy up three thousand, five thousand dollar Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, freaking I don't know who else, Josh Allen, all these like star rookies. I don't want to go spend thousands of dollars. Mac Jones, Jesus Christ. I don't want to spend thousands of dollars on those rookie cards. I would rather spend less than $100 for a similar rare card of another first round or second round, third round quarterback that could potentially like break onto the scene like Brock Purdy did or some other like f- like splash in the flash in the pan as people call it, rookie quarterback i'd rather spend that like less money on players like that in hopes that something like this could happen jordan love like granted even his cards were nuts because there's i'm assuming tons of packer collectors out there and other football fans who just know the packers quarterback history they his cards were expensive but they were not on the level of trevor lawrence and mac jones and uh jalen hurts now justin herbert those cars were super mm-hmm. expensive. He wasn't on that level. He was slightly expensive. But now I feel like that opportunity has come for you as a Jordan Love collector to sell a good chunk of those cards for a great chunk of profit. Do you agree? And like before you answer that, when you were talking, I was looking up the Jordan Love market and the news broke April 24th that the Jets are getting rogers and in less than 24 hours i feel like these are going to be some high prices (laughs) i'm not going to list prices but the there have been over a hundred sales of jordan love cards in in less than 24 hours in like 12 hours there have been a hundred sales of jordan love cards and yeah it's like there was i think i saw a contender's optic uh like the rookie ticket auto that was in the thousands like these are all just buy now and best offer accepted, yeah. mm-hmm. but the listed price for uh, uh, what's it called? An Origins Jordan Love Gold Auto out of ten was listed at thirty six twenty. Best offer was accepted, so I'm assuming it sold for at least two grand, maybe more. Wow! And how much money do you think that this person put into that Origins Jordan Love PSA ten? Like about a couple hundred. Exactly. That's if exactly that, what yeah. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Four hundred max, five hundred. And that's yeah. my point. Like, I think that's a great question for all of our football card collectors out there. Do you feel more comfortable spending three to four thousand dollars on a Trevor Lawrence card and a Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow card and a Justin Herbert card, and then eventually selling that card for a little bit of profit, or do you feel more comfortable spending three to four hundred dollars on a Jordan Love card or some other backup 
quarterback pick, like a first round quarterback pick, and hoping that this market will eventually um, prosper. But yeah, I'm more comfortable with the latter. I'm more comfortable with picking up like some cheap first or second round, third or fourth round quarterbacks in hopes that something like this could happen. But in the defense of the people who are hardcore Burrow and Herbert and Tua and Hertz and all these amazing rookie quarterback collectors, who, <laughs> who John, Mr. Longhold, who's going to have the better career? And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really good question. It's a great topic, but what, what do you think, Jason? What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, so what I always go back to, and this is a perfect example of, you know, a quick flip or like perfect timing of like a, like selling the card versus like, Hey, let's hold on and see what happens. What happened with our Bobby Witt auto card? Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, we had a Bobby Witt, uh, it was, it was a first Bowman, but it did like the autos for some odd reason. They, they are, what was it? The mega box ones or some of them, they didn't put the first Bowman logo on it, but they were still within that, that set of where his first Bowman was. And we had a PSA 10. It was a mega box refractor, correct? Auto. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yep. And when we sold it, we sold it at his call up and that card went for over $1,000. John. Where is that card sitting at right now? <laughs> I think less than like two fifty. Uh, I th- what you sent? I think it was two eighty one or something when you sent that. When yeah. you sent that yep. listing, two hundred eighty bucks. So, so you're talking in a matter of what two years? Because mm-hmm. he got called up in twenty twenty one. In two years, that card went from over a thousand dollars, and it is now sitting at two hundred, less than three hundred dollars. So the point I'm making and why I lean more towards these quick flips or these, you know, if you want to quote unquote long hold for a couple of years and be, and let that be your long hold. That is, that is my whole point. And that's why I get very worried. And I know when we talk about like when we should sell, when we should sell these cards, I am always going to lean more towards take the profit. Your, your app, your, your, the market's, still high you know i remember we had that the big discussion of when we opened our case of bowman draft of like should we just sell these now and i know you know eric you know was very anti no because the market's not as high as it was before we opened it but it was still high the market was still high now granted 281 is like that's still a decent amount of money but now that we know that card was a thousand dollars plus if we would have not sold and kept holding it and then saw it drop down to 281 oh my god (laughs) you know i mean like that i mean that's like taking a dagger to the heart man you know like that's a you're talking about a major major difference in price there yeah big time so I always lean more towards that. And, and you know, it, it worries me that if you hold on for so long, like we have that, we've had this discussion numerous times. We have the, uh, the gold out of 50 Jason Dominguez, mega box refractor PSA really screwed us on that one. <laughs> Should have been a 10. I'm still like, I, I it really irks me because that card, it looks perfect. I agree. But whatever they gave us a nine. We had this discussion many times about what we should do with that card. Should that card be a long hold or not? And I've always said, 
sell it. Like the moment he calls gets called up, we need to sell that card because that's a, it's a rare card. It's a big ticket item. Mm-hmm. And you you take the risk of holding on to it for too long and then watching that market go away. I mean, I always think, what if they're a bust? What if they come what if Dominguez comes into the league and he's a bust? Yep, exactly. And then there's no market. Mm-hmm. Look at uh go over the uh, Antonio Cabela card we just sold. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're you're making great points. It's if you're listening to this podcast, the whole discussion is about quick clip quick flips versus long hold. Do you want to hold on to the card and kind of see where it goes and then sell it later or do you want to flip it buy the card and then flip it within like at least a year i, I don't that's that's kind of a long hold quote unquote but anyway in 2020 bowman uh first bowman card that we had was a antonio cabello red megabox refractor graded a psa 10 red is numbered out of five for people who don't understand so there are only five cards there are only five exact copies of this card in the world and we had one in the psa 10 and we just sold it this past weekend for like 25 bucks less than 30 dollars 22 dollars and 50 cents yes so we sold that psa 10 numbered out of five card for 22 dollars and 50 cents but if we would have sold that card when we got it back from psa i'm almost certain that we could have made at least 100 bucks if not 200 Mm -hmm. 300 and that is the biggest point of this episode. If there is a huge risk involved in anything you do in, in sports cards. It's like, um, I like to explain it to my wife as like, uh, it's focused gambling. You're not, you're not 100% gambling, yeah. but you're kind of, it's investment gambling. You are buying into sports cards with the intent to eventually sell them. You're kind of, you're... You do your own little research, you buy cards, you buy graded cards with the process that eventually this card is going to make me my money back. And then the most important question that you have to ask yourself is when am I going to sell the card? If I buy this card today, if I buy a Jordan Love rookie card today, when am I going to sell it so that I can make the most profit I possibly can? And you kind of have to you kind of have to ask yourself that little question over and over and over again with every single purchase you make because yeah, Jason, great point with Bobby Witt and Dominguez too. Like we've agreed now that I think that once Dominguez gets the call up, I agree that it's time for us to sell a huge chunk of our cards, including that gold out of 50 that should be a PSA 10, but it's a PSA 9. I think that we have done our research to the point now where we have uh, data to back up our decision to sell mm-hmm. when they get their call up to the majors. But it's just like what – how 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 much are you willing to risk? Are you willing to risk yeah. the the card like for the Zach Neto card? We sold it for a little over seven hundred dollars. Are you the willing re- the record? Yeah, that's right. The only previous sale was six twenty five. So we percentage wise, that's a huge percentage increase. It went from six twenty five to seven thirty ish. So are you willing to make the risk of holding that card until the end of the season or even the all-star break in hopes that Zach Nadel becomes a MLB all-star or are you like satisfied with letting the card go at call up and setting a new record for the price on that card and just moving on to the next one? Cause if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to accept the sale of the card, you could get stuck in this hole that Jason and I are trying to explain 
like Bobby Wood Jr. If we would have held that Bobby Wood Jr. auto until now, that card would have lost $800 worth of profit. Like that card would have lost, went from a $1,000 card to $280 card. Yeah. And the Cabello card, because we held on to it, we lost probably a good chunk of money. So it's it's a tough discussion and it's a tough decision to make. How it's all it's focused gambling. You need to analyze your own risk and decide what you want to do. But yeah, talk about it. Talk about it, Jason. What would what would you do? Would you like who are you willing to hold and who are you willing to quick flip? Is the is basically the question. It's honestly, I mean, realistically, I I don't care about holding anybody. <laughs> okay. And I, the only reason why I say it is because. I mean, if you're if you're sitting here running running a card business, what what's driving your your business? You have to sell these cards in order to drive the business. And it, me personally, especially with any of the big ticket items, you know, any autos or like low like numbered cards, you know, in PSA tens or PSA nine, whatever it is, sell them, sell them at call up, sell get, get this profit. Let's let's keep this money flowing. And let's get it in because this money is going to ultimately drive our business and keep keep us being able to, you know, have jelly cards as as a, almost like a second income. You know, and that's what I you know, that's what I'm hoping is that I want jelly cards to at least right now be be my second income. Mm-hmm. Like a second. You know? uh... Yeah. And, and it's it it's tough, too, because you, you do see what happens when you you hold on to cards. You know, I a great example is Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. When Mike Trout was was drafted and and brought up and was what was it twenty uh, twelve I think was his rookie year twenty eleven twenty twelve somewhere around there twenty eleven nobody knew I mean when people were pulling Mike Trout cards nobody knew who Mike Trout was I mean he was granted he was he was still a high draft pick but it, you remember that one video uh, of the orange uh, refractor that they pulled of his and the guy on the video goes <laughs> oh I don't know who this is but this is like a nice pull. Yep. This guy didn't realize. I mean, back then he I mean, you did not realize when you were pulling Mike Trout cards out of these sets that you were holding on to a, a potential future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. That you're holding on to one of the best uh um position players the game has seen in in recent years. And yes, so everybody who has career, you know, held Mike Trout and held Mike Trout and started you know his cards. Obviously, I think he's got a he's got over a million dollar sale, right? Yeah, Does he? absolutely. He, yeah, and you know, I know, um, I know his just his regular like tops rookie card. You know, just a regular tops paper rookie was in a PSA ten was you know three thousand plus and and stuff like that. So I get it, and I see where you I see where you are coming from when it comes to like, hey, we should hold them because. You know, this could be a six-figure card. But I go then back and look and go, I, we don't necessarily need to because guess what? Justin Herbert's already six figures. <laughs> and he's been in the league for three years. Or he played two years in the league, you know? Uh, so I don't think every – I mean, I I like what we decided to do where we are holding on to like one or two. And they're just like a chrome or maybe a mega box refractor we're just going to hold on to. And and hopefully this player turns out to be a Hall of Famer or, you know, in Eric's words, the Hall of Really Great. Mm-hmm. And we can hopefully maybe sell that card for, you know, 
yeah, a thousand dollars down the line or something because, you know, I mean, I, I get it. You know, look at Tony Gwynn rookie card. I'm, I'm sure all those people that were holding on to Tony Gwynn rookie <laughs> cards that were now able to sell that card in a PSA 10 for three grand, you know, were super happy that they held on to it, you know, yeah, but, and, but see, uh, this is like, this is where I counter your question, Jason, what, what, how are you going to sell a card for six figures? What, how is it going to happen? And is it going to be a quick flip or is it going to be a long hold? I, I, you got to understand, you probably got to think if you're, if you're selling a college six figures like that, you're looking, it's autoed. You're it's probably got some maybe logo patch on it. It's a one-on-one something. It's super, super rare. You know, probably the rarest in the set. If, if it's getting to that point, yeah. I'm, I'm selling it right away. I'm <laughs> yeah, not holding but, on to that card. Right. But so I'm, I'm asking like if you, so let's say we open uh 2023 Bowman releases this week and I am like I am foaming at the mouth because I want to buy 2023 Bowman but we're like uh yeah I'm going through withdrawals because we we have we're still working on like flipping our draft case and all that but let's say you pull a red out of five Drew Jones mm. and that card is selling for like I don't know, 10 to 15, 20 grand currently is what is it going to take for that card to get to six figures? I don't think you can quick flip the card for like six figures currently, but if that card is going to get to six figures, the only way for that happening is for Drew Jones to make his way to the majors and become and have like a Julio Rodriguez type of type of season. Right. I, I, yeah. I'm just I'm trying to put that out there for people who listen to the podcast who are who are psych, like, I don't want to say psychotic, who are infected by the John from Jelly Cards disease and are not happy with 15 grand or 20 grand. They're willing to wait two, wow. to, two, two to three, <laughs> two to three oh years. And I'm not saying that I, I am. I'm just saying, like, in my heart, of my collector heart, I understand it. I'm willing to wait two to three years for him to become a Julio and that card to go from 15 to 20 grand to 60, 60 to a hundred grand. Like are you're, you- you're willing to take the risk on, on if you, if you know that card right now and we, if we had that card and we, we know right now we sell this card right now, that's 30 grand. We're going to get 30 grand from this card. You're okay with holding that in hopes that that card's then going to, be a hundred grand down the line. As that's a, that's that's the point I'm making. Right. That's the that's a major. It it it's not. Hey, this card's a hundred dollars, but hey, maybe it might be five hundred dollars <laughs> in a couple of years, dude. You're talking about thirty grand. That's a that's a game changer in like in a card business. Yes, exactly. So that as that, of, that money could, <laughs> dude. That money can drive <laughs> your profits for the next like. How how many X amount of years? Yes, yeah, I understand, but I am answering your question, Jason, which was I don't remember what the question was. Your question in the chat was, John, when are we going to sell a hundred thousand dollar card? And my answer to you was the only way that the highest percentage probability for that happening is long holds. Like as a business owner, I am not comfortable holding that card. I am very very comfortable selling that card immediately, but. To answer your question and to kind of defend 
my fellow card collectors out there who are all about the long game and hold the cards for way too long, the only chance of that card becoming a six-figure card is holding it. But yeah, it's it. I as a Jelly Cards co-founder business owner, I am not comfortable holding out to that card and waiting to see if Drew Jones can become Julio Rodriguez Jr. I am way more comfortable selling that card immediately, fresh out of the case, selling it to whoever wants to pay five figures right i'm i'm willing to i'm very 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 satisfied and happy with five figures i am not willing to wait for it to become a six-figure card as a business owner but i want to defend myself because i answered your question which was john when are we going to sell a one hundred thousand dollar card and the only way that i think that could happen using bowman is if we hold the card for a long time and they become like some sort of superstar rookie. But another thing that I want to mention is that if you're listening to this podcast and you are opening up 2023 Bowman, there is a... Oh, I was going to bring up the bounty. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a seven-figure bounty on a super fractor one-of-one auto <sighs> oh of, my God. of Drew Jones. A prospect card, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to this podcast. A prospect card... A guy who's never sniffed the majors. There is a $1 million bounty on his one-of-one auto. And I think it's from uh, David Adams, I think. the What's the popular sports card uh, sellers on eBay? Yeah, Scott and Adams, I don't even know. One, somebody has a bounty out there of $1 million on a Drew Jones one-of-one Superfractor auto. So if you hit that auto, congratulations, like, God bless you. I recommend you sell it for the one million dollar bounty that is out there. I mean, is that is that legit though? Yeah, it's uh, David Adams is like a, they're a really big card seller slash box opener. They're they're really really popular on mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, eBay for sure. They have a huge chunk of like high end cards, and they're like a a lucrative sports card business, and they put out a $1 million lifetime bounty on the Drew Jones Superfractor. I don't know if maybe they have like connections to Drew Jones and they like love him and love his dad, but yeah. uh, I've, I've gone off topic and I'm sorry, but no, no, no. Cause I was, I was going to bring that up too. Cause I, um, once we started talking about Drew Jones, I, I wanted to bring that up and cause I think, uh, I think we got to have a jelly meeting soon <laughs> and kind of dictate uh, uh, what we're going to do for this yeah, Bowman set coming out. Yeah, because if the, the main question that we have for this podcast episode, if you're listening, is the pros and cons of quick flips and long holds. The it's And all of those are tied heavily into risk. How much, how much are you willing to risk to long hold a card and quick flip a card? And another question that was brought up in our group chat is, how when are we going to have a hundred thousand dollar card sale like one card sells for six figures and my think my answer is the correct answer the only way that happens is if we hold a card fresh out of the case of a of bowman and bowman draft and hold it in hopes that this player becomes mike trout or julio rodriguez and you can flip that card for six figures but are you willing to make that kind of risk? Are you willing to hold on to a five-figure card in hopes that it becomes a six-figure card? Or are you okay flipping it fresh from the case 
and moving on to the next set. And I think that's kind of the discussion that we keep having back and forth. And as jelly cards, I think we can agree we are not comfortable holding a five-figure card hoping that it becomes a six-figure card. Correct well, me if I'm wrong, Jason. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. But let me ask you this because you keep saying <laughs> – you you were saying as a business owner and as a, as a co-founder of Jelly, you are not willing to take that risk. So what you're saying <laughs> – is that if you were not a part of the card <laughs> business and you had a $30,000 card, you are taking the risk and not selling it. Like in your own personal collection, your own personal PC collection, you are going to take that risk and not sell a five-figure card at thirty grand in hopes that that card's going to be six figures down the road? <laughs> oh, God. I think I need to plead the fifth because I can't answer that question on the no, podcast. I, oh, well, that, that you just answered that. Question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, if like so, if my wife listens to this episode, obviously, I I I basically have to sell the card. I have we'll, we'll no put choice. The, we'll we'll put the parental lock on it, so she got to enter a code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I have to sell the card, but in my collector heart, prior to jelly cards and me being married existed, I wouldn't even like. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know the market. I would just know that I have a super rare card of of Bowman. Like so I'm not going to answer the question, but <laughs> people who are out there who hypothetically would hold on to a five-figure card in hopes of it becoming a six-figure card, I'm not going to rip them to shreds or like say that you're wrong because it could very well happen and I think Trout is a perfect example. I think Aaron Aaron Judge is a great example. I know Shohei Otani is a wonderful example. Uh, there are plenty of examples out there of people who decided, you know what, I'm going to hold on to this card. I love collecting more than I love money, so I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to wait. And there are, it's a, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. <laughs> and so I'm just going to leave it at that. But what would you do, Jason, if you didn't have a business? And you were just buying packs for yourself. If you hit a five-figure card, what are you doing? Okay, well, first off, if, <laughs> if, if Jelly didn't exist, I would have a lot more money in my bank account. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I would have never got back into trading cards if Jelly cards did not exist. But no, I if I if I had a, I mean, honestly, honestly, God, if I had a four-figure card, I'm selling that instantly. Okay. Because I'm just taking it, and I'm not looking back. I any card that I have I've ever sold, or any jelly cards that we that we have ever sold, I I have not looked back. Okay. Because I don't want to know. Because even <laughs> if it because if that card ended up doubling in price, I don't want to know. Because I'm a I'm gonna sit here and I'm taking my profit, and I'm I'm happy with where we sold it at, and and I'm walking, you know. Because look at the, you know, we sold the uh, Buster Posey Bowman Platinum PSA 10 rookie, the card that we had. You know, it was my contribution to Jelly. I really, I kind of screwed the pooch in that one. Because when that, when I first got sent the card in to get graded, PSA 10s were over $100. Mm -hmm. When that card came back, they dropped a little, but they were still around like $90. But in my mind, I'm like, Buster Posey's, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall <laughs> of Famer. Let's hold it. And we just sold it for $44. Mm -hmm. And that was tough. You know, it was tough because 
this was my contribution to jelly. This was my, you know, this was me trying to like, Hey, I think this is going to be good. Granted. Yes. It, it's still a profit, but it's not a $90 card. It's not a hundred dollar card anymore, but it, it got to why I chose like, Hey, let's just list it is because if he ends up not being a hall of famer, I know that card is going to plummet. And it's that card's going to become irrelevant. And Buster Posey's going to become irrelevant. At least somewhat right now, I guess he's still relevant enough that I was, you know, we were able to profit off of it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's my point. And it's like, you know, I've I've made choices of holding, holding, holding. And when I really should just sell, sell, sell. You know, I mean, before we wrap this up, let me ask you, are you happy that we sold the NATO card, uh, the NATO card? Uh... Or, or, is that, or is that one that you would, because here's the thing, we don't have any more. Now, now that we sold that NATO card, we don't have any more. Yeah. That was the only one. I mean, we have, granted, we have some, uh, um, some like base chromes and I think maybe a refractor in there or something that we are going to be listing, but. We don't have any slabs of him anymore. So gone, bye-bye. If he ends up being great, we don't have anything to capitalize on. Yeah, so <laughs> I live two lives. I'm a, I'm a schizo. I'm a schizophrenic person. <laughs> and in my jelly card's heart, I'm happy that we sold the card. I'm, I'm happy we made a, a really – I like I said to you guys, I'm, I'm, I was happy when the card was sitting at 350 because, like, what the heck, what – Prior to Jelly Cards, I would have never bought a prospect auto of a guy or even bought a case of Bowman Draft and hit an auto, got a 10, and sold the card for hundreds of dollars. I've, I was like shocked that it was at even 355 when we were, we were like staring at it, sweating, waiting for it to boost. And then, we, and then we saw it sell for the new high of a PSA 10 of that card. There's only two of them in existence, and we have sold it for the most it's ever sold for. So in my jelly cards heart, I'm super happy about it. That's I think that's wonderful. I'm super happy that we got a card out of the case, graded it, mm-hmm. it got a 10, and we were able to sell it for over $700. I think that's wonderful. But in my collector heart, I like <laughs> I wish we had more because I what what if? That is the always going to be the question in my head. Like what if Zach Nato has an amazing year? What if he becomes like a superstar shortstop, which is like the like the most sought after and most hyped up position in baseball? I feel like are shortstops and outfielders. All the other positions are just like whatever people care and they don't. But if he becomes a superstar sh- shortstop for the LA Angels, am I gonna like be sad that we got rid of the card? Yes, but you can't you can't <laughs> you can't operate like that. You can't have that mentality. You have to kind of sell the card and move on. And that's what we did. And I'm happy about it. And do I wish that we had more? Absolutely. But there's nothing that I could do about that. I, I have oh, to, there's plenty we can do, <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> we have to be happy with our sale and move on at the end of the day. And I just, I it's, how do you feel about it? Do you wish we had more NATO cards or are you happy with the sale? And you're, you're like proud of it. I'm, I'm very happy with the sale. And, and honestly, if we, the fact that we don't have any more Netto cards is it, it. Hey, it is what it is. Exactly. But we but we capitalized on it. You know, I know we're sitting on bigger ticket items. Um, like like I said, we have a lot of Jason Dominguez. We have you know some Jackson Holiday. We have some Elijah Green. Mm-hmm. You know, we have 
some, you know, some great rookies that are, that we're waiting to get called up on. Uh, I know, you know, in the future, we're going to keep buying up some, some more cards and hopefully we keep pulling, pulling hits, you know, and pulling heat. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's, it's whatever. I, me personally, flip them instantly. <laughs> okay. Get them out of here. Let, let's take the stress away from me. Cause the more we hold and hold and hold like now, like with wander, you know, we invested into Wander after he was already a rookie and it's super stressful because his market, it's like a, it's like a roller coaster. It's up at one point down, up, down, up, down. You know what I mean? And it's, and that's like, that's the most stressful part about it. Same with Vladimir Guerrero. You know, it's just, they'll have a great week of baseball and the card market goes up. And then next thing you know, they go over four, what two K's in a game. And then the market's dropped again. You know, and it's tough. And those are the stressful times when you're sitting back and you're holding on to these cards because you're just anticipating the market to go back up to where it used to be. And it's not getting there. And that's like the frustrating part about the hobby, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, there's like I said, there's so much risk involved when you buy a card, when you sell a card, how long you're going to hold on to the card wait to buy a card like there's so many things that go into the process of buying a case buying a card opening the case getting the card in your hands deciding what you want to do with it are you going to sell it immediately raw are you going to grade it wait hold flip wait for it to psa 10 and then hold it for his career like there's so much that goes into it and all of that is influenced by how much you're willing to risk and yeah as a Shelly Cards co-founder, I am more than happy to sell cards quickly to get us some money back so that we can reinvest that money into the business and buy other cards and grade other cards and kind of keep keep the wheels turning, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, my collector is still inside and I still want to hold tons of cards. Like I want I want to hold uh if we had gotten a red out of five Jackson holiday auto out of the case. I want to hold that card so that it can become a six figure card, but you have to realize that there's so much risk that goes into prospecting because of what Jason said earlier, all of these players have, there's, there's potential both ways. There's potential for them to become superstars and there's tons of potential for them to be total busts. Like what, Mm -hmm. like, what are you going to do if that happens? Are you going to like, you can't, you have to analyze your own risk and you have to make the decision. But like one final question, Jason, before we, before we wrap up the episode, if you had bought, <laughs> do you remember the Mickey Mouse card I talked about, the fifty-one Bowman rookie? And yeah, PSA the Bowman. Nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had bought that card for forty k, like how quickly would you have sold it? Like, are you happy to sell a forty k card for sixty k, or are you willing to wait for that card to become three point two million dollars? Like it's. The- the better question is, is the guy who uh, who bought the PSA 10, 52, the Topps 52 one, he yeah. bought it at, what, 30K or something like that? No, no, no. It's like uh, – uh, Or was it more? Yeah, it's like one 150 or like less oh, than I 300K. Oh, okay. Okay, I was way off. I think then. he like got it for 118. That's I, know, I know he bought it for a ridiculously low price compared to what it's sitting at right now. And at the time, they made fun of him. They said he was an idiot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and now, now and, and now he's the he's the smartest guy in the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah, but he still has the card. Like, how long are you willing to yeah. wait? I yeah, it's it's tough because I mean, at that moment, 
if I saw that, hey, I can make 20, 20 grand off this card, yeah, I'm probably selling it. Okay. I, well, it's it's hard to say because we have yet to be put in that situation. <laughs> yeah. And I know like that that's gonna, you know, what little hair that I have left on my head is is gonna be You're telling me, man. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, by the by the time we hit that, you know, we're all gonna be bald. <laughs> <laughs> Only Luke. Only, Only Luke is Luke. gonna have his luscious head of hair. Yeah. Yeah, because no yeah, I'm already thinning, and I can't I can't take the stress of a of trying to debate whether we should sell a five figure card or wait until it becomes six figures. Yeah. Okay. I t- I completely understand. But yeah, final thoughts. Your is that is that how you want to end your discussion so I can close this out on this episode? Yeah, admitting that I'm bald. <laughs> yeah, and it's get only getting worse. <laughs> yeah, those are my final thoughts. Okay, so. For people who are listening to this episode, uh, the main topic of discussion that we wanted to have was what, like, are you the pros and cons of quick flipping cards and long holding cards? And I think the blanket statement that we want to make is that that discussion needs to be had with yourself and whoever else you decide to run your cards business with. It's all about um, focused gambling. It's all about analyzing the risk that you are willing to take and buying and selling sports and tcg cards like if you're if you're a guy or a girl in this hobby and you want to just like get involved with the profits and losses and buying and selling sports cards and tcg cards you need to make your own analytic decisions and it's tough because there's there's no crystal ball we don't know what any player is going to do we don't know what they're going to become who they're going to be how long they're going to stay in the sport it's it's all up to you and i hope that this podcast episode was a good discussion that you want to be a part of and if you have your own thoughts please please reach out to us on our social media platforms we are at jelly cards j-e-l-i cards c-a-r-d-s on instagram twitter and whatnot we are at jelly underscore cards on tiktok and please let us know what you think please let us know what your thoughts are when it comes to buying vintage buying prospects buying veterans buying rookies any sort of sports card information that you have and how that relates to quick flips and long holds please let us know and thank you all so much for listening i hope we have a great week it's an exciting time for football cards because the nfl draft is underway uh (laughs) the panthers are going to be on the clock any minute and we're excited to see where what what happens and where things go for the for the sports card market. Does the draft start today? No, it doesn't start today, but I think it starts actually no, I think I'm pretty sure it's this weekend, the twenty twenty seventh through the weekend. I'm okay. pre- or yeah. So if you're please reach out to us. Let us know how you feel about this topic. Are you a quick flipper? Do you buy cards and sell them immediately? Or are you uh John from Jelly Cards infected holder? Do you hold the cards on hold on to cards for them to become five figure cards, six figure cards, seven figure cards. And what are your, what your thoughts are on that? Thank you all very much. I hope we have an amazing week. Hope we enjoy the draft. And as always, please keep spreading the love of the hobby from your friends at jelly cards.